Well, hello, hello. Well, good morning, everyone. I am Derek, as you just heard, and I'm the students director here. So Pastor Ram asked me to speak today. Naturally, I asked back, what do you want me to talk about? He said, more or less, oh, whatever you want. And I said, awesome. So today, I figure we read the first verse and last verse of the Bible and say we got through the whole thing. <laughs> say we began with creation. We learned how cool everybody's name is in the Bible. Jesus came, Jesus left. The world changed, and at the end of the day, a new heaven met a new earth. Does that sound good? All right, just remember to tell him that when you see him, okay? <laughs> Actually, this reminds me of that childhood song you learn when you discover the quick way of counting to 100. If you know what, sing with me, but one, two, skip a few, 99, 100. It basically covers everything in the middle, right? All those numbers? <laughs> All right, well, let's not and say we did. Uh, let's actually pause at a specific moment in time in our Bible story. Momentarily, we're going to be looking at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, if you want to get there now in advance. Otherwise, we'll have it on the screen behind me. You can pull it up on your digital device if you want to do that. But the book of Deuteronomy and the grand story of Israel's history is actually one big pause. Now remember, we're in Old Testament times, pre-Jesus, and our story is focused on this people group known as Israel. And Israel, who they are, is God's nation. They are the recipients of this promise that God has made to their ancestor, Abraham. And there came this important person named Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt when they were slaves under Pharaoh. And this event was known as the Exodus. God told Moses and the people how he would lead them to this new land, which he promised. But that generation of people, they doubted God would lead them, provide for them, and fulfill this promise. God then makes Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, that's a long time. 40 years until that generation that actually doubted God dies off, and a new generation, their children, is brought up. This is where we are in the story, and this is where we pause. We pause at this moment where an old generation is now gone, and a new generation is ready for God to fulfill this promise. Soon it will be Joshua leading the people of God in the land, but where we pause now is just before that. Israel is on the brink of stepping into a new land. What the book of Deuteronomy is, is a long message given by Moses to the Israelites. Now, if you ever think you've been in a long sermon, just read the book of Deuteronomy. Time how long it takes you to get there. And that was actually one message given by Moses. Crazy. But do it sometime. It's fun. Moses recaps their history. He recaps their laws. He recaps all the extraordinary things that God has done for them. And Moses does this so as Israel enters this new phase of their story, quite literally entering it, they do so with a fresh reminder that they are people of God who follow God's laws. So this, this is why we are not jumping from one to a hundred today. We're not doing a big jump. 
That's a big jump. <laughs> now, fun fact about this image. I found this image online, and doesn't it totally look like Pastor Rob? <laughs> you can tell him that the next time you see him that, too. Again, we got through the whole Bible, remember that, and we saw a picture of him doing a big cliff jump. and be like, hey, I saw you jumping over these canyons. What? Oh, no, yeah, Derek told me. And you were all like... <laughs> But we're not going to do a big jump today. We're going to focus on this pause. And like being on the edge of a cliff of a canyon, Israel is on the edge of entering this new part of their story. So a question for you, and I'd like to hear from you guys. What new things are happening or about to happen in your life? What new things are happening or about to happen in your life? A baby. Oh, wow, that's a big, big change right there. Something new. Awesome. Started a business. Started a business. That's incredible. Big adventure there. Yeah, what else, you guys? What's that? Empty nest. Empty nest. Ah, for those parents at that face. What was that over here? Yeah, for sure. What's happening on Tuesday for many, many of you in here? Kindergarten. All right. It was great the third time, I tell you. <laughs> it takes three tries. I don't get, okay. But there's, there's new things happening in the season, fall. We just heard about some fall new ministry activities happening here at Restoration. And just in general, whether it's school or a baby or a, a new class you're taking, or you're just trying something different, maybe there's something new happening right now for you. I know for me, I also work as a restaurant server. I work Fridays and Saturdays, and just recently, I switched my schedule to free up the morning parts of those days so that I'm only working the evening parts. And for me, that's something new, just a new weekly routine. And I've discovered this thing so far is incredibly exciting. It's already my favorite thing to do. You know what that one thing is? Sleeping in. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's great. Friday, sleep in. Saturday, sleep in. Sunday, almost sleep in, but get up. <laughs> it's something new. And again, maybe something for you right now is new in your life. These seasons of life where something is new are often very exciting. But sometimes they're overwhelming. Sometimes they're hard to transition to. But the change is usually good. In Israel... They're on the edge of entering something new, something good. So if you have your Bibles in Deuteronomy 6, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 9. Otherwise, it's on the screen behind me. And these are words from Moses. And here's what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates." So Moses here, he's sharing this teaching with the people of Israel. 
And what is incredible is how this passage shapes every generation of people to follow, even to this day. It became a Jewish practice to recite this piece of scripture every day at morning and at night, the words that you just heard. And where it says to tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, people would literally do these things so that they were an outside visible sign to both them and others that they are people of God, that they hear these words, that they recite these words. And what's even more incredible in this passage is the focus on loving God. We may hear loving God today and not think twice about it, but this was new to them. They were familiar with the fear of God, honoring God's name, offering services and gifts in uh, places of sanctuary. They were not yet familiar with the command that Israel is to love God. Maybe you are at a place where you feel all too familiar with everything. Maybe you are not being challenged enough. Maybe life seems dull or not as just lively as it could be. Maybe your routines are missing that little extra something, whatever that something is, but it's missing. And for those of you who are just starting school here, maybe you already know everything to expect. You know the teachers, you know the textbooks, you know the classes, you know this is where you sit, you know your buddy is over here, and this is how you behave, and this is what we're here to learn. You know all those things. But hopefully at the same time, you're going to be learning something new. Because otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? Israel is being taught something new. Moses is teaching them to love God, and he is teaching them to make this a pattern for their everyday life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Israel is being reminded they have but one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now that word soul, it actually comes from the Hebrew word nefesh. Everybody say nefesh. So fun to say that. It means your life breath or your essential self. Love God with all your heart, all your, your life breath, and with all your strength. Basically, love God with all of who you are. Now, if you're able to, for just a moment, I invite you to stand. Now, if you're standing, raise your hands. Now, wiggle your fingers. Now, wiggle your toes. Everybody wiggling? Loving God with all of who you are means loving God with every part of yourself, from top, where you're wiggling your fingers, all the way down to the bottom, where you're wiggling your toes. You can sit. (laughs) That looked really cool from up here, I'm just saying. (laughs) We didn't practice that beforehand, you know, so good job. (laughs) Now, if you're taking notes, you like taking notes, and you want to write something down to take away, you could write this. Loving God is in whatever you do. So if your wiggly fingers 
They work behind a computer, or they write things down, or they build things. They play a part in loving God with all of who you are. Now, if you're wiggly toes, they bring you places where you serve joyfully or where you make a difference. They, too, play a part in loving God. If it is your voice and what you say or still something else that you have a gift or a passion for, whatever it is you find yourself doing can be something you love God through. You could ask, what part of yourself do you find loving God lately? These commandments that I give to you are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now remember, we are dealing with a younger generation of Israelites. Their parents are gone and they are about to enter this new land. Everything for them is changing. There will come a time where they have kids and they raise an even newer generation of people. And Moses' teaching, he says to impress this onto your children. Impress this. Something you can impress is, you know, like a stamp. Imagine a big stamp going across your forehead, you know, you got to make the sound effect for it to stick, but it's not quite... Literal, and not in this case. <laughs> but the idea is to teach your kids, not stamp them, teach your kids about God and God's commands in such a way that it becomes what is their DNA. It becomes part of who they are. Impress this onto your kids in such a way that they understand it, they own it. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you go along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Talk about God in these places, yes, but what is also implied is talking about God during everything that happens in between. Talk about God when you're even out grocery shopping. Maybe for your kids, add an 11th commandment, thou shalt behave when one is buying groceries. Okay, I don't encourage you to make an 11th commandment, but you get the idea. Talk about that when you're going through grocery shopping or whatever you have in your Saturday afternoon plans. The idea is everything in between, morning and night, rising and laying down, that God is upon your hearts and that you're teaching your kids. Talk about God when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go to the park, when you're spending time with family or friends. In other words, talk about God wherever you go, on whatever path you find yourself. Jesus reuses the same teaching as part of his ministry, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 12. And he says, the most, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Might sound familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no commandment greater than these. 
So even Jesus came to recognize the importance of this teaching from Moses. And building on that, he adds to the love of God that you are to love your neighbor as yourself as well. So loving God is in whatever you do. Loving God is in wherever you go. Maybe you come here today feeling God is distant from you or you are distant from God. And I encourage you to not let this time, this morning, and this place be your only point in seeking to connect with God this week. Talk with a close friend who knows God. Set up for yourself a reminder tomorrow that will call you back to God and the next day and the day after that. And just try it. Something for you to think about is what reminders of God's presence in your life have you set up? Or maybe what reminders do you need to set up? Maybe that reminder comes in starting and ending your day with a simple prayer. As we learn that this passage that we read is what they did. They recited it morning and night. And maybe for you it's a simple prayer. God, please be there for me today. Show me your goodness. Give me courage. Fill me with kindness. And thank you for all the love that you have given me. Maybe that reminder comes through asking your mom or dad or brother or sister or child or friend or simply how they saw God at work that day. And slowly but surely, that will shape each of us to be looking out for God on a daily basis. Finding God in what I like to call these instances of beauty. Whether it's in nature or in a relationship or just something else. There's no one best reminder but God has wired us to be people who need reminders. Even if we have a great memory, anyone can forget. So as this teaching became an ongoing reminder for the Israelites, we are in need of reminders too. A reminder in this case is not just stored information, but a constant return to a way of living that God has called you to live. So in this moment of Pause. Israel's next challenge is overcoming the people of the land. Their long-term challenge is not forgetting the teaching that was shared with them. Not forgetting who the teaching points to, which is the Lord their God. That's the long-term challenge, really. And we are people called to love God with all of who we are. Through whatever we do and whatever we go, wherever we go. Loving God as a daily practice at that time, in that pause, was new for the Israelites. And maybe loving God is new for you if you choose to love God today. You may wonder, what does it look like to love God? And one simple way of putting it is putting God first. To love God is to put God first. God gifts each of us with passions and talents, using those gifts as a means of loving God because when you, when you use your gifts, you glorify him. Loving God is also in communal worship. And just as you build relationships with friends and family members, to love God is to have a, a relationship with him. It means you spend time with God. Loving God is rooted in all that God has done for us especially in this age where we know the fullness of God's love came in human form through God's Son. 
When we love God, we come to know God. We come to know His Son, Jesus Christ. We reflect God more. We actually reflect God's image. And God's love, it becomes a part of us. So Israel is to take all these steps to ensure it does not forget God's commandments. And the root of all that lies in the command to love God. So loving God is not thought of here as secondary. You don't love your belongings first or anything or anyone else before God. Instead, loving God becomes an attitude. The attitude is God first and God's priorities first before anything else. It's an attitude. You could ask, and it's fair to ask, what do I get in return? What do I get in return? If loving God through whatever I do and through wherever I go is so crucial, and if my love for God is rooted in God's first love for us, demonstrated fullest in life, ministry, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, then what do I get in return? It's a fair question to ask. Why? Why love God back? Isn't God's love good enough for these people, for us even? Well, consider this. Consider I'm going to throw a party. I'm having a party, and everyone here is invited. Now let's spice this party up. Are there certain parts of this party we're throwing, certain maybe foods or activities that would make this party way cooler? Because currently, I'm holding a glass of Coke, I got a package of Cheetos, and this party is pretty lame. (laughs) But no, I'm curious to hear from you. If you're going to go to a party and you want to see it become something awesome, maybe what what foods or what activities are you going to bring? Music. Oh, yes. Games. Ooh, a specific game, Jenga. We once, just the side note, we once in students played a, a Jenga game that was about, about yay high, for the students that remember. It was like mega Jenga. It was awesome. Big tumble when the tower fell. What else? Maybe a favorite food or just something favorite. <laughs> At the same time, pizza, powdered donuts. Not together, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe. You could always try it. Ice cream. Favorite flavor? Anything, as long as it's ice cream. (laughs) Any others, maybe one or two more. Dancing. Was there one other one that was said too? Oh, candy. (laughs) Gotta have some candy there, right? Oh, man. And this is what makes a party totally awesome, right? I love uh, the beanbag toss game, or some people call it cornhole. Whatever you call it, it's totally okay. But that game is so fun. You can play in teams, and it's just great. It's easy. It's simple. We basically just planned the coolest party ever. Are we right? (laughs) I'd come to it now. I was thinking of not coming to it, and I was starting. (laughs) But no, you guys, you added all these elements to a party that just made it so fun, so fulfilling, something you want to invite your friends to now, something you just want to go to, be at, not leave. Now, God is like a party planner. He has the best party of all. 
And his love is the invitation. Is it enough for God to send the invitation? Or do we have to come to the party to truly discover what God is all about? Do we have to love God back? What you will discover when you recognize God's mountain of love for you and when you respond to that mountain of love by loving God back with all of who you are, God is going to radically change your life into something new and something good. Just as God did for the Israelites in fulfilling his promise to them. Again, Deuteronomy is that pause, but the story goes on. God continues to be at work in that nation's lives. And in your life, God will become that supreme expression of love, of motivation, of inspiration, and making it possible a deeper understanding of the nature of love. To love God is to know God. Here's how it's put by John in 1 John 4.8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. To love God is to know God. So I encourage you, whatever you do, wherever you go, love God with all of yourself and come to the party. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Thank you for meeting our needs. And thank you for being an awesome God who is at work in our lives. Thank you for your love. And thank you for the ways you encourage us, that you fill us with inspiration. And God, just be with us as we leave these doors today. Let us remember you in the simple things we do. Let us remember you through the relationships we have. And for your son, Jesus, Lord, we just praise, praise your name. And all together we can say, amen.